Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. It's being recorded from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And we are so grateful you could join us all. And our topic today is Adam and the Fallen Man. And we'll start with a morning prayer. I will read from page 173 of the Blue Book and 30 of miscellaneous writings. Human will may may trespass on divine law. Corporeal sense may hide health and truth as the mist obscures the mountain. But science subordinates human will and is the sunshine of truth which melts the shadow and reveals the substance. Follow my teachings only so far as they follow Christ in word and deed. Take courage, dear reader, for any seeming mysticism surrounding realism is explained in the scripture, there went up a mist from the earth matter, and the mist of materialism will vanish as we approach spirituality, the realm of reality. Cleanse our lives in Christ's righteousness. Bathe in the baptism of spirit and awake in his likeness. May be Thank you. Beautiful. All right, the watching point. Watch number 474. Watch lest you cherish the desire to throw off the outward practice of sin so that you may look at your human selfhood with satisfaction, feeling that it is acceptable to God and man. Such a desire may start a worker on the right path, but it must be outgrown, since a human sense is never acceptable to God, no matter how purified it may be. We desire purity in science only that we may reflect God. We overcome sin so that we may have a constant consciousness of man's unity with God. If mortal man, through science, is able to reach the point where he can begin to regard his belief in material selfhood with satisfaction because it is so well-behaved and good, he is liable to indulge in self-righteousness, which in God's sight is worse than what the world calls outward sin because it suggests a false achievement. Well, comments. Well, it made me think of that phrase, fake it till you make it. it. You do actually have to make it. If you're going to do this, you have to keep going until you can do it yourself and not just rely on practitioner or... <laughs> fair seeming. Yeah, fair seeming. Anyone else? To me, this really speaks to what's wrong in the movement because the movement, you know, looks at things like, oh, well, I, I never have any problems or I'm wealthy or I'm this. And, and, and you seems to have a lot of false, false um, landmarks, I guess, in terms of, you know, calling that success in science. Thank you very much. 
I think it's uh, for me more like the rebuke that's righteous. The rebuke that's righteous. Yeah. Wow. You know, when somebody, uh, I'm paraphrasing from the science and health, if somebody tells you that there's something you need to handle, uh, you know, and it comes from a, a spiritual sense, then we listen to it and accept it instead of saying, I'm, I think God, I'm not like other people. <laughs> exactly. That's, I'm not like other people. That's what happens. Well, and I used to think that that was the goal, uh, not to you know, to have your perfect little house, your perfect little children, your perfect little this. And that is not the goal. Go ahead, Florence. Well, that kind of, uh, you know, goodness, everything humanly good around you could also make one think, oh, I got everything. I got this, you know, and make you not. Um, in, in other words, it's like you're too good to be meek, to be used by God. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Very important point. Yes. Well, I'll also, like I said on Wednesday night, it, it makes you believe if you have a sense of self-satisfaction that you don't need God because you're doing just fine without him. And um, that's a dangerous place to be. <laughs> um, and it's it's the moment that you need him the most, like I said Wednesday it, and from my experience, I, I'm realizing that. Yeah, this is, it's a very big danger um, that most scientists don't realize. And I certainly didn't until I came here and began getting these, quote, unauthorized books that explain so much of this more deeply. Mrs. Eddy does say it, but. Sometimes it helps to get other explanations of it. But, yeah, I liked what Florence said, too good to be used by God. Mrs. Evans used to say that the, the worst, and she was usually talking about me, the hardest person to change was the one who thought they were humanly good. I mean, why should I change? I'm, I'm a good person. I, I don't think I disobey any of the Ten Commandments. Because what does that mean? You have to throw off, cherish the, de watch lest you cherish the desire to throw off the outward practice of sin so that you may look at your human selfhood with satisfaction. What is the outward practice of sin as compared to the inward? Smoking a cigarette. Believing <laughs> <laughs> in matter. <laughs> That's yeah. not outward. That's more inward. Maybe doing all the good things, you know, pleasing people, you know, being uh, in accord with human human will. Right. You you actually attend church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe you you don't kill, you don't commit adultery, you don't do those obvious outward things, but inside, you're turning around. Maybe you're hating. You're jealous. You're Inside, those things are going on. Fearful, negative, all those are sins. Um, and the outward ones are easier to cast off because they're more, more obvious. And usually people can see that and repent. While the inward ones, you know, you work hard to hide. Um, but, yeah, then you, can't, you cannot be used by God. 
this this whole lesson it's a wonderful lesson but it, it's bringing out these deeper issues of life that we all have to address if we're going to stay out of the Adam dream. And they're the ones that made, I'm sure it made the disciples say what you say. It's too hard. I can't follow you anymore because Christian science is radical. It's radical. And we have to face up to that and sometimes make some changes that are so needed. So, this was a, a good watching point to think about. And one thing I'm always, you know, I cringe sometimes when people will say how they're proud of their grandchildren, proud of their children, or proud of their anything. It's like, yikes. Because what comes after pride? <laughs> the fall. The fall. <laughs> mm-hmm. The guilt, the shame, the fear. You can certainly be happy and grateful if people you know or in your family or whatever are following the Christ and doing good things. You can thank God quietly for that, um, but not to be proud of it. Be, be careful not even to display it too much because it all you do, you subject yourself to the jealousy and criticism of mortal mind. And it's not truly being a scientist that sees everyone as created by God and God alone. One thing comes to mind, um, Mr. Cooley, we have the article on our website, I'm sure, How I Was Healed. It's a long one. But I think the practitioner at that time was telling him that you know, you must look at the sins, and he couldn't see anything that he did that was sinful. And then, but he, all the time he was believing that God, the pain is real. So it's when he he recognized, he realized that God could not create pain. I think that's when he was healed. So to me, it, it's almost like this came to mind uh, just now, thinking of how he was healed by stopping. Hopping, believing that God could create pain. That was the sin that he would, you know, he, he had no idea. Well, I don't go to the bars and things like that. He thought was what he wasn't doing. But that was not what he was about. Thank you very much. That's a wonderful point. Um, and I know in, uh, I, I'm sorry I didn't bring it today, but it's in uh, the Kimball book, his treatment for pain you know, one of it says it's a belief of life and matter. You know, you're going to die out. You're born into it. You'll die out of it. It's, it's this belief. So what we're talking about today, although it may, might not seem it, it's it's very directly related to your health, living a pain-free life. You know, you, you accept all these things, um, but they're really not to be accepted. Not Not if you're a true Christian scientist. And these are truly... The deeper issues of, of life in this lesson. We all know we talk about the Adam dream and the dream and, and we don't want to be in it. Um, and we work not to be, stay awake and alert, but uh, it, it goes even deeper. So, Jeremy, the golden text. Job, art thou the first man that was born? 
or wast thou made before the hills? Thank you. Um, and that's that's from the chapter Job, and Job is kind of getting a bit of a re- rebuke there. We can't think too much of ourselves, right? <laughs> we think we know it all. We don't know anything to stay very humble. Um, and I'll start today with you, Shardell, what you wrote. It's, oh, it's out right. of order, but go ahead. I okay. mean, chronological um, order. This is such an amazing lesson. And I picked one thing that I love because I have thought about it often. And our watch last night said, from one heart to another, till truth, love, and commingling in the righteous prayer shall encircle and cement the human race. And this, you know, in in the lesson, it says, if we're blinded, it's our own fault. And our hearts, you know, we must turn to God. And with our whole heart, and be converted, and I shall heal them. And then I, I did, I did look this up a little bit because I was, I it was interesting. Uh, Isaiah's emphasis on understanding with their hearts goes beyond superficial belief. His interest was in turning their hearts or souls to God, that they should be healed. And I, I do use this prayer. I think about it for our country, for all everyone, all the nations, that if we turn, turn their hearts, O oh Lord, to thee in order that they may be healed. And it's going to be through Christian science. That's what's going to happen. Uh, the way back to God. And I pray with it now every watch in church service. All hearts are open to God. Thank you. Uh, and in the responsive reading, and this is, you know, it goes along with the whole lesson that we're born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is why it's so important, the best we can, to always know that call no man your father, mother, but but God. He is our one relation, this is Eddie says, in earth and heaven. We must know it for ourselves, for our family members, certainly. It's very, very important. And it also goes along with, in Isaiah, see she from man whose breath is in his nostrils, for wherein is he to be accounted of? So, Nancy, you found things from Spurgeon. What did you find? Uh, Yes. Um, I loved what he said. (laughs) Sever yourself from such a man, because the days of idols and human pride are coming to an end. It's not wise to associate with those who cling to what will certainly be defeated. We should see that such men are of no account, and we should walk in the light of the Lord instead. What strange sin in us to make us give more account to men who can only hold as much breath as their nostrils will contain, who depend on every breath for life, then to the Lord God who will shake the earth mightily. It simply makes sense for us to honor and obey God, rather to follow men into sin. For of what account is he? If men are only men, why do we give so much attention to the opinions of man? 
Why rise so high on the praise of men and get so low at their disapproval? We have something, someone better to live for. Brethren in Christ, let us think more of God and less of man. Come, let the Lord our God fill the whole horizon of our thoughts. Let our love go forth to him. Let us delight ourselves in him. Let us trust in him that liveth forever, in him whose promise never faileth, in him who will be with us in life and in death and through eternity. Oh, that we lived more in the society of Jesus, more in the sight of God. Let man go behind our back and Satan too. We cannot spend our lives in seeking the smiles of men, for pleasing God is the one object we pursue. Our hands and our heads and our hearts and all that we have and are find full occupation for the Lord, and therefore we must cease from man. And I thought, why? Why cling to these lies? (laughs) It's very clear that if we would rely on or seek help through man and and trusting the medical profession or human opinions to define us, we're on the path of destruction. And I just wanted to say how grateful I am for being taught here in this church through Christian science to look away from the false material senses of the belief in matter and to cease to believe in the Adam dream and turn wholeheartedly to God, who is the only cause and creator the only life and trusting in him and I love because it is so true whose promise never faileth. Yes, thank you. That's beautiful. Um, and I know, you know, I was very much afflicted with that and it is an affliction pleasing people. Oh my gosh. You go here, there and everywhere trying to please this one, that one. You become so untrue to yourself and you become very lost. Um, and it never works. No, it never, it works. never works. Usually everyone's very mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> that And that is why we must seek times alone in the quiet of the morning, evening, afternoon, whenever, or all of them should do it often, just to get quiet and ask, well, what is God saying to me? What does God want of me? It says in the Bible in the lesson, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. If you're pleasing men, you can't be God's servant. You're you're unreliable. You'll say one thing one day and say something else another day. You're totally unreliable. You're mercurial, as they say, or or chameleon, you know, and one instance you say this and another instance you say something else. So how can how can you be relied on? You can't be until you heal yourself of that affliction. So so what is it to please God? Conversation in heaven. Well, pardon me. To do his will. Okay, well, and what does that mean? To ask him, what is it that 
he wants me, us to do and be obedient to that and not, um, you know, not, not listen to our own selves, but to him for direction. I, I think I, it's, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think it's also um, Jesus' command to us, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and lean not to thine own understanding and also to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what pleases God. Thank you. I see. There's a, also, there's a bigger picture. Uh, if you can get a hold of it, what's your purpose? You know, we were told our purpose is healing of the world and the Christian science movement. And if, if you can and realize that, yes, that's pleasing God, and how can you further that? It helps keep me on the right path and feel like he's smiling on us. Uh, for the accomplishments. Thank you. That's certainly helpful to know your purpose. And and that goes back to what was just said about loving God and loving your fellow man. That that helps a lot because I will get the question, you know, I can't tell whether God's speaking to me or I'm just talking to myself or whether maybe it's Aunt Tilly who told me something years ago that's going on in my rattling around in my head. <laughs> so you have to try the spirits and, 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 Test, test, mainly get yourself out of your, out of the way, your will. And Father, just use me. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a work in progress. It takes a lot of dedication. It's also a humility. And uh, it's also an ongoing relationship with God that we have to continually uh, embrace. It's not something that we get one day and we say, oh, that's fine. We don't have to continue it. We have to love the Lord by God with all our heart and soul. And sometimes I realize that when I get distracted, that's not loving God at all. It's loving my ego. Thank you. That's exactly true. So it is, it's something we, we need to work on. And this, this is getting out of the Adam dream. So it's not just some simple thing always. You know, it's, it takes full dedication to stay awake, to stay working. Um, there's a, again, Carrie sent me some beautiful articles. One is The Ideal Man by Sue Mims. And she says, in John, John we read, but as many received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, which were born, born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We thus see that from Jesus' point of view, an absolute renunciation of material origin is demanded. An absolute renunciation of material origin is demanded. So also Copernicus, having discovered a higher sense of the solar system, demanded the renunciation of the old viewpoint, the relinquishment of what for centuries had seemed sure, absolutely true and real. Now, this point of view is universally accepted. It has awakened a higher, grander sense of the universe. Any calculation made upon the old supposition that the earth is flat and stationary would be false, misleading, and confusing. Jesus demanded an equally radical and revolutionary change in the human point of view when he said, Call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. 
Now, we, we, it sneaks up in various ways when you start thinking, you know, you have human relations. And that's where you have to be more alert. And this, this holy season that we're coming upon, it's even more so. That's why Mrs. Evans used to like to call it the bloody holidays, because of demands being made on you by your Aunt Tilly or whomever. And, and if it's not what God is bidding you to do, You've got to be quiet and listen. And that's not being unkind. That's pleasing God and not man. Now, if it's right to do, that's fine. But we must keep a close association with our father and see him only as our only relative and keep clear on it. And not just during this holy time, as I like to call it, but, of course, all year. And she continues, in Science and Health, Mrs. Eddy writes, Jesus beheld in science the perfect man who appeared to him where sinning mortal man appears to mortals. In this perfect man, the Savior saw God's own likeness. And this correct man, view of man, heal the sick. Thus, Jesus taught that the kingdom of God is intact, universal, and pure and holy. It is interesting to note how absolutely the statement corresponds with Jesus' own words regarding himself. He said, I came forth from the Father. I go to the Father. I ascend unto my Father and your Father. So Jesus demanded an equally radical and revolutionary change in the human point of view when he said, Call no man your Father upon earth, for one is your Father which is in heaven. Is this demand heeded by professed Christians today? Not except by Christian scientists who do see that man cannot have two fathers, one spiritual and one material. Well, that is hopeful that we do. Because also when we do this, we are united with our brethren, our brothers and sisters, aren't we? Yes. Not all this conflict. We all have the same father and mother. What difference does it make if we all don't? look exactly the same we all came forth of course and we must treat each other respectfully as that and when we do when we do see our blood relatives that way our human affection will be pure and it will heal and while it may not be well-received all the time. It nevertheless does its work. And we can be assured that it does its work. And they might not like you for the moment once you start, and especially if you've had really close human relationships and you start maybe announcing a little independence from it. They might not like it, but they will learn to respect it. And, and eventually they will come to you probably for help because if I be lifted up I will draw all men unto me if you go down to their level and pal around with them and listen to all this era talking which is what the Spurgeon article was about CC from what men with the nostrils or whatever (laughs) separate yourself from all that otherwise you're just going to go down to their level and you'll both uh, yeah the blind leading the blind as last week's lesson said you both end up Yeah. Now, I've given this to you before, but it's very important. 
And it's from Mary Baker Eddy, Six Days of Revelation, where she said, Mrs. Eddy would say that turning from God to self as origin brings darkness. And then if Christian science, if Christian science children consider that their children were their own creations, that is, offsprings of thought wedded to error, instead of the creations of God's appearing to them, they would be worse off than the merely ignorant. Mrs. Eddy's statements were bringing a different reaction from the one she could have thought was obvious by now. Evidently, she had to drop the subject as she did with her unfulfilled prophecy in the 16th edition about the hastening demise of free love. Instead, she had to warn students about the resulting setback that would ensue from, think, from the thinking she encountered. To some, this, she sent this conclusion to watch for and handle. This is a quote. Cruel lie, trying to make itself thought that the children of Christian scientists shall be the offscouring of the earth. Wow. <laughs> That's why you can't mess with this science. If you were proud that you brought forth, forth a child or any of that, you're in danger because you, you, you do know better. I mean, you read, you hear about all this all the time, and yet here you slip away, and you're putting everything in danger. You're, you, you're disobedient. You're off the path. And then the opposition of theology to Mrs. Eddy's insistence that Jesus meant what he said and that the one evil is man's belief that he is a creator of mortal children in his own image was adequate cause for her choice of the theological course as the final corrective offering at her college, bringing the degree of DSD. Mrs. Eddy retired from the college teaching before such a course was ever institutionally given, but it remains on record as the ultimate for those who are taught of God. I, I think, is that the, the course in obstetrics, I think, that she's talking about? Anyway, yeah. still available, but but I, I do know another example when someone, you know, all happy, some mother saying, I'm going to, you know, bring forth a Christian science baby or something like that. <laughs> and Mrs. Eddy said, I didn't know there was such a thing. Please be careful. I used to think this too. Oh, yeah, a little Christian science baby. Oh, going to be all sweet and lovely and going to be another Christian scientist in a fourth or fifth generation. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Wake up out of that Adam dream. Most important, the renunciation of this. All right, and this is another, The Dream Dispelled by William Brown. And this is, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. One of the things with which Christian science seeks constantly to impress upon its students is that there is no resting place in matter. This science clearly teaches that matter or material consciousness is but the atom dream which from which all mortals must awaken before peace and happiness can be attained. 
When one is convinced of the truth of this statement, there is seen to be but one real business in life, namely the continuous effort to awaken oneself and others to a consciousness of the real universe of God's creation. Accompanying this conviction comes a quickened condition of thought which realizes the foolishness and danger of dilly-dallying by the way, and thereby prolonging the dream of life and intelligence in matter. And it quotes Mrs. Eddy saying, in Unity of Good, with Christ, life was not merely a sense of existence, but a sense of might and ability to subdue material conditions, which he was constantly doing. So you, you can't you can't settle down into this belief of life and matter. It's just waiting for you. And I see it sadly so with so-called Christian scientists, third and fourth generations, having it catch up to them in some way because they were just enjoying life and matter. And it'll bite your you-know-what. You know, Mrs. Eddy, and I can't quote it exactly, but it's something like mortal mind has not been good enough to me. Not been kind enough. Kind enough to me to make me want to linger in it. Something like that. Okay, so... Don't don't linger in it or think you're going to have pockets. And this is maybe what the watching point was about pockets where, okay, I'll read, I'll study, I'll be good most of the time. But now I'm going to really enjoy life and matter. <laughs> I'm going to go and just have a glorious holiday. I know of a situation. Yes, this woman fighting all her family coming. They were all staying at her house. And it was going to be this wonderful Christmas. And I'm telling you, it bit her in the you know what, okay? Do not do this. You, if you are awake and alert and working, then fine. But I would suggest you take it in small measure, not for days. <laughs> um, be awake and alert. And there's also, and he's one of my favorite writers. Um, I can find it. McCracken, who says, Awake thou that sleepest. Christian science teaches that sleep, apathy, mesmerism, the atom dream, darkness, disease, death, hypnotism, and illusion are all phases of the belief in another life than God. The sleep in the Garden of Gethsemane was the prelude to the crucifixion on Calvary. One of the shortest sentences in Science and Health, and in this hour, one of the most pregnant with self-questionings for Christian science is this on page 48. His students slept. Many years ago, Mrs. Eddy also wrote on page 95, lulled by stupefying illusions, the world is asleep in the cradle of infancy, dreaming away the hours. Can it be that the world is not yet awake after 50 years of Christian science activity? It's been longer than that now. And the dawn of a new day came in 1866. Now is the hour of high noon. Christian scientists who are reading the signs of the times do not permit the enemy to sow tares while they sleep. They are conscious of the supposition, suppositious activities which intoxicate one individual or one nation with aggressive mental suggestion, stupefy another with fumes of intemperance, and fat and still others for a future sacrifice. 
They rejoice in the protection and power which spiritual understanding brings to those who follow loyally the teachings of Mary Baker Eddy. Now, all of this is not to say you should not enjoy what you're doing here on Earth. Mrs. Eddy does say that we should enjoy everything in heaven and on Earth. <clears throat> you don't inherit material goodness. You inherit spiritual good. And that's the key. That's the difference. You can't inherit Christian science from your parents. But you can inherit life, truth, and love from your real parent, God. Oh, whatever and, you're doing, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Florence. Go ahead. No, I was, I was thinking, you know, whatever we're doing, if God is in it from the beginning, then I don't see why you can't, it will be an enjoyment to do it, you know. But if you, if you from human will, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. Well, I, I tried that, it didn't work. <laughs> Thank you very much. No, I'm glad that this is very true. You will enjoy life with a capital L much more than you ever have in living this way. The beauty the goodness, the joy that you see and experience will be absolutely amazing. It is bringing heaven on earth. And the dominion. Is the danger of children vicariously benefiting from the, the work of a true Christian scientist and when they find, to wake them to know that it's not their work that's benefiting them, but someone else's and for to get them going in the right direction is, you know, it is a challenge, but doable. <laughs> well, inheriting it would be like my kids coming here and expecting to be able to use the computer the way I do. Good luck. Yeah, or like <laughs> the child of a mathematician thinking he is one without working for it, right? Yeah. Right. Mrs. Evans tell the story when she was a child, she would tell her mother, do me some work. <laughs> And uh, yeah, but we have to all do ourselves some work, and maybe that's that can be for a while, but eventually, no, you've got to do your own work. Go ahead, Mary. I, I was going to say that uh, when my father passed away, uh, we would uh, do a lot of prayer work together, and uh, he was pretty good at healing, and I remember. When um, he went through a set of cancer, pancreatic cancer, and he healed, uh, he was healed of that in Christian science, just reading the science and health. And then he passed away a little bit later from cancer because he was just so happy about it. He was telling people there was no protection. And my grandmother used to tell us, please, please think of protection. Of course, I didn't listen to it, but I've been thinking about it last night when I couldn't sleep. And I thought, you must protect your thought. You must protect the Christ. Because if you don't do that and you rely on this idea of my father, who is my father? God is my father. And this human idea of making, glorifying a human being, I've got to really overcome. And I have to learn to do my own healing work. And that's why I'm here. And I'm very grateful for the practitioner work. Although it gives me bloody knees many times. 
<laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah. And it, you see, this is where we get back to if you really love the Father, your Father, you love the Christ, you will cherish and protect it and listen and put it foremost in your mind. If you don't, and you don't know even what that is, then then you get you stumble. And this is why we do study. We do study. If you don't know how to hear the Father's voice, you can go through the Sermon on the Mount and see, does it measure up to that? <laughs> You know, are you following the Sermon on the Mount? Then that's hearing the Father's voice. You're certainly following the Ten Commandments. And throughout the Bible, fear not, fear not. Are you afraid? Well, then you're not following. Um, and that was a good example that Florence gave of that man who realized he was sinning. Mm -hmm. uh, what was he doing? It, you wouldn't think it was a sin, but it was. Oh, believing in pain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, after 38 years. <laughs> yes. So long. Mm -hmm. There was another beautiful article uh, that Louise sent me by a Violet Hay entitled "I Was There," and it goes along with what the Rikis both say about you know immortality. That you were not not only. Don't you die out of matter? You weren't ever born into it either. And that's maybe a harder concept to understand. And all of what we're talking about, these are harder concepts to understand. And I don't profess to know and understand all of them myself. We're always a work in progress. Um, but it goes along with the Proverbs where when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, I was there. And I know Herbert Rickey, you know, he, he'll say, don't you remember when you were at here? <laughs> all these wonderful things that Christ Jesus said, don't you remember? Don't you remember Mrs. Eddie on the balcony? Don't you remember? <laughs> so, you know, maybe stretch your memory to think of we were there. And it is partly why I love I love the chosen and I love to read reading these wonderful books on Christ Jesus describes all the how places looked and what it was like. And so yes, we we are there. There's one called the journey the journeys of Jesus, and that was one that Mrs. Eddie I believe had on her bookshelf. Um, so. And what, what is that beautiful quote, Florence, you said, and I came upon it. It is in the healer that Mrs. Eddy said, if you, if you want to be a good healer. Oh, uh, in other words, uh, watch Jesus's life. It was, yeah. it's in the healer. Yeah. It's in yeah. The healer. I don't know. The, I can't yeah. remember the page, but it's there. Yes. Something. If you want to be a good healer, study the life of, of Christ Jesus. Jesus. Mm -hmm. I also think, too, that sometimes some of these things I don't necessarily, I'm not quite there yet, but do I accept it to be true? Mrs. Eddy says, let us accept science. Yes. Um, just the fact that I just, I do accept it to be the truth. Can I demonstrate it at this very moment? Maybe not. But do I accept it to be the truth? Yes, I do. And that's. That's very important. Thank you very much. That word accept is all over, all over science and health. Let us accept. So, yes, it starts initially on faith and accepting. Maybe it's hard to think we were 
here immortal forever, but we can accept it. We can accept that God is our only father, mother. We can accept these things and work at it, work to understand it more because in no other way will you grow. And this is staying awake and not in the Adam dream. Otherwise, you're just la-di-da-di-da, and I'll go to this party and see all my family, la-di-da-di-da, and come home really feeling quite <laughs> out of it. So this is the staying awake, and you'll find you will love more, you will enjoy things more, everything will be better. You'll be certainly a lot healthier, absolutely. You see the erroneous nature of the Adam dream. And I love, you know, Mrs. Eddy explains it really well where she says, um, who will say, even though he does not understand Christian science, that this dream, rather than the dreamer, may not be mortal man. Who can rationally say otherwise when the dream leaves mortal man intact in body and thought, although the so-called dreamer is unconscious? And so, so it is. You know, you might think you're going through some horrendous experience. Well, you're just in this dream, and the real you is just sitting there fit as a fiddle. <laughs> God, perfect man. Absolutely. Now, I found the that page is eight. It's Roman eight. And then it says, if you would be a good healer, study the life of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. And just to touch briefly on a couple more articles that Carrie sent, once, once on, one on true self-identification. Material sense readily accepts the proposition that man is a sequence, an unfinished product of evolution, that he is beholden to heredity, environment, natural law, and fate. This conclusion of world philosophy has molded general mentality into men that have required the habit of linking themselves to all sorts of undesirable conditions and things. They identify the me with the weakness rather than the strength, the evil rather than the good, with sickness and sin and death rather than to health, which they long to flee. So right identification, we talk about it a lot. A child of God, free of all that. And another really good one, too, which is called the Intel Intelligent Compound Idea by a Reginald Schneck. But it brings out, quotes Mrs. Eddy, where she says, look long enough and you will see male and female one, sex or gender eliminated. You see the designation man, meaning woman, as well. And you see the whole universe included in one infinite mind and reflected in the intelligent compound idea, image or likeness called man. So it does away with gender, my friends. <laughs> yes. And all this carrying on about it right now. Well, just know, read what Mrs. Eddy says about it. That'll keep you clear about it, about gender. What you know, article is that? Um, let's see now. I've just put it away. Um, the Intelligent Compound Idea. I could forward it to her. Yeah, forward it. Some of these will be put on, on the web. 1921 issue of the journal. Thank you. So, so I want to end a few minutes early. Um, Karen found in miscellaneous writings. 
what Mrs. Eddy says about all of this um, uh, in questions and answers. So we'll end on what Mrs. Eddy says about fallen man in miscellaneous writings. And thank you for finding it, Karen. Yeah, this is page 78. Has man fallen from a state of perfection? If God is the principle of man, and he is, man is the idea of God. And this idea cannot fail to express the exact nature of its principle. And more than goodness, any more than goodness to present the quality of good. Human hypotheses are always human vagaries, formulated views antagonistic to the divine order and the nature of deity. All these mortal beliefs will be purged and dissolved in the crucible of truth. And the places, once knowing them, will know them no more forever, having been swept clean by the winds of history. The grand verities of science will sift the chaff from the wheat until it is clear to human comprehension that man was and is God's perfect likeness that reflects all whereby we can know God. In him we live move and have being man's origin and existence being in him man is the ultimatum of perfection and by no means the medium of imperfection immortal man is the eternal idea of truth that cannot lapse into a mortal belief or error concerning himself and his origin he cannot get out of the focal distance of infinity. If God is upright and eternal, man as his likeness is erect in goodness and perpetual in life, truth, and love. If the great cause is perfect, its effect is perfect also. And cause and effect in science are immutable and immortal. A mortal who is sinning, sick, and dying is not immortal man, and never was, and never can be God's image and likeness, the true ideal of immortal man's divine principle. The spiritual man is that perfect and unfallen likeness, coexistent and co-eternal with God, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Mary Baker Eddy. And thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. 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 Thank you.